blessing in store for you tonight. We're going to hear a couple of minutes of good, encouraging testimony from these brothers. I know you've been worried lately as to why I'm hugging all the preaching time, so I'm going to show you tonight how much I'm not doing that. And then when they're done, um, I'll finish putting you to sleep, or I mean I'll put you to sleep. Joking. Ministerial joke, brothers, all right? Your wife's mad at me now for implying something, but oh well. God is so good. Appreciate the word of the Lord. Appreciate you being here in spite of it being a holiday today. I whispered to Pastor Churchill uh, earlier that Christmas this past year, you remember, was on a Sunday. And I, I, am, I informed the church. I said, don't even bother texting me saying, are we having church? Because... Sunday, we're having church, all right? Yeah. Amen. My, my uncle, who was my original pastor, Brother Carl, he pastored a small work, you know, for all those years, many, many years, decades, and, and we obviously had this conversation. I don't remember it. I remember the outcome of it, and he said to me thing, something like this. He said, what if I canceled church and one visitor came, tried to get in that locked door today? What if every saint in the house decided to go on vacation, but that one neighbor in the community came to try to unlock the door and come to church? And he said, he said, I'll stand before God for that. But that man may have got or might have missed at church. All right. So we're, we're here tonight because of that reason. It's 4th of July, but thank God it is. We have another chance to be in the house of the Lord. And the Bible said this is the day that the Lord has made, so we're going to and be glad in it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother David, come up here. I whispered to him the other day also in prayer. I told him in prayer that I really appreciate the, the consistency I see in Brother David's walk. I'm not trying to pump up his balloon, but it means a lot to me to see people who pray, who will pray whether they're preaching or not. They'll find a wall to turn their face toward, whether they're leading songs or playing an instrument or not. They're still seeking God just like they were if they had to get in the pulpit in a few minutes. That's what a prayer life's all about, you know? Consistency. Brother David, appreciate you. Love you, sir. Talk to God is good. Praise the Lord, everybody. So, last little while we have been doing some renovations on our home. Trying to make things bigger, better, more modern. And sometimes those renovations kind of get at you a little bit. They get a little frustrating. Can we say amen? <laughs> that door just won't line up, and it just won't shut. That trim is not quite big enough to cover that little hole. I can't remember what paint color this wall was. Things can get frustrating, frustrating amen? And this little thought just kind of came to me. How awesome is it to have a God that is invested in us till the project is done? Yeah. Hallelujah. That we don't have a God that will simply say, ah, he did it again. I'm done with him. I'm going to hire somebody else to deal with him. I'm giving up on him. But no, that is not the case with our God that we serve. Hallelujah. God, you are good. Just have a couple verses of encouragement. Some of them are going to be abbreviated. Psalms 94, 
and 14, for the Lord will not abandon his people. 1 Samuel 12 and 22, for the Lord will not abandon his people on the count of his name because the Lord has been pleased to make you people for himself. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness to be content with such things as ye have for he hath saith I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Hallelujah. It's such a simple thing, but I'm just so glad that I serve a God that no matter how many times I slip up, no matter how many times I, I veer off the path that he has chosen for me, when I go back on something that I've said, God, I will never do that again, and I slip up and I do it, that he is invested in this project until the end. Hallelujah. He will be a stronghold. He will be a rock for me to lean on in my time of trouble, and I'm so, so grateful to serve a God like that. Jesus' name. Oh, there goes everything. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. It is so cool to see how He invests in us and how He rewards us for what we do when we can. Amen. I was encouraged the other day. If we look at Hebrews 11:6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We're reading through Genesis right now in a, a reading plan I'm doing. And I came to chapter 19, the story of Lot. And in 19 and verse 3, Lot pressed upon the angels, pressed upon them to come into the house greatly. He, he knew who they were. He said, come on in. Come on, come on. Come on out of the street. Now, part of that was he knew how his city was. We see what came of it later. But I, when I looked at it, I said, man, if I can just press that hard when I see something from God, when I see a work of God going on or, 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 or a need to get closer to his presence, how hard I need to press to get that in sometimes because of my own flesh or my own weakness. But we, we move to later on in the chapter, in verse 13, they warned him. They said, hey, it's all going away. It's all going to get destroyed. But where it tied in and where I, I just got such a little a little jolt, a little shot in the arm that helped me out was in verse 16. says, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife, and, and they got him out. So I saw this, this action and this reward, this need and desire for God, and the awesome help that was provided when he was lingering and wasn't quite getting out of where he needed to be. He was so blessed by when he chased after God, went after God, Got as close to him as he could and was drawn out. Amen. Drawn out of the. Well, praise the Lord. Real quick, I just want to read 1 Peter 1 and 12. Me and Pastor were talking in his office the other day, and this scripture got brought up. It says, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, 
which things the angels desire to look into. Now, when I was a little bit younger, uh, I was very intrigued by the thought of angels, not to the point of worship of angelic beings. I understand that's a thing in today's society. However, it's not okay. Um, But I was intrigued at the idea that there were these beings that, according to the Bible, we were created slightly lower than. These beings of immense strength, as the Bible portrays them, just amazing creations that God has brought into being. And over and over again, you see these encounters with angels in the Bible. You even see uh, Daniel talking to one of them as he says that the princes had held him back for days as he was praying. All these different things in this spiritual realm that we don't see but are going on. And it says that when the Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven, the angels wanted to look into it. Down onto us for some reason. We were created a bit lower than them. There's no reason why they should care about us at all. But something happened in the book of Acts. Something changed a little bit. It started to encourage me this week just because I started to think about it again. And I could not fathom that. This being of strength and power created by God looked down at us and said, What just happened? They are not just bound to their own selves anymore. There's something else that's a part of that. And that something else was God living inside of us. They realized that we weren't bound to our own power anymore, but the power of God was being unleashed through us. And I cannot help but be encouraged to realize that I am not alone in this. And even the angels can see that I've got God on my side. Amen. Praise God. I know this might be a little cliche, but being the 4th of July, we celebrate freedom and things of that nature. And, and uh, one of the things I am very thankful for is just to be able to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. You know, in, in, in times of struggle, in times of, of rejoicing, in times of anything, any, any portion of our life, we can call upon the name of the Lord. And we don't have to worry about being thrown in jail at this point. Amen. You know, there, there are countries, I know you all know this, I know there are countries where I mean, there are underground churches in China where people who go to church to worship the one true living God, they're risking their lives just by going there. If they get caught, they're either imprisoned, killed, tortured, etc., etc. <clears throat> Anyhow, wherever we, are, wherever we are in life, we can call upon the name of the Lord. I'm thankful for that. Psalm 61, amen. Psalm 61 and 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. When we go through this life and things are not going our way, when even when we just stub our toe or when finances are failing us, amen, we can, we can be led to that rock that is higher than I, amen. David said, I will cry unto you, God, from the end of the earth. If I feel so far away from God, I can still call upon you. You will hear me. Praise God. Amen. Amen 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his, he, his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Amen. Uh, if you go to Isaiah 59, please just stay at verse number 1. Isaiah here is saying, God can reach you wherever you are. Amen. Even if you are in China, and even if you are risking your life to serve the one true living God, it says, God's hand, the same hand that threw the stars into the heavens, the same, the, the same hand that spoke this very universe into existence, it's not so short that it cannot reach you in your situation. Amen. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear you. When you cry from the ends of the earth, he will hear you. Amen. Please 
Friends, I'm telling you, whatever situation you're in, please, please do not be afraid to call upon the name of the Lord because there is so much power in that wonderful name. No matter what your situation is, praise God, you can still call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 11:28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and, I shall and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I was just reflecting today with the awesome day off that most of us got to enjoy about what I get out of the presence of the Lord, the benefits that we get of being able to gather together. You talked about the freedom we have to, to gather. I mean... This isn't aimed at anybody, so I hope it doesn't sound judgmental, but I just don't understand the thinking that says, I'm too tired to go to church today. I've had a long day. My work's beat me down. Listen, the day may have taken my energy, but it has not taken my joy. It has not taken my victory. It has not taken my reason for living. I, I can't tell you, Pastor Herring, the, the multitude of times that I have come to church thinking, I don't have the energy to get dressed. How, how am I going to jump around and have victory? But there's a difference between energy and victory. So many times I have walked into those doors with a splitting headache, and it wasn't ibuprofen, it wasn't Tylenol that took that headache away. I can't, it's innumerable how many times, I, by the end of that service, the headache is gone. I know for a fact that we serve a God that heals because it has happened so many times. And why is that? Because I let that victory shine through me. I let that victory tell me what I'm going to do. Not my energy level because I serve a God that is bigger than what might be left in reserves. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Matthew 8, um, verse number 5. When Jesus would enter into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick, palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He said, for I'm a man under authority. Soldiers under me. I say unto this man, go, and he goeth. I say to another, come, and he cometh. And, my, and, to, this, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now here is God that made everything, Brother Bryant, threw it into in flesh, and God marveled. How does God marvel at man? Because of faith, that's how. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Speak the word only. Draw from your reservoir of power. Say to my problem, be right, be changed, and it will be changed. Praise God. He marveled God, but he said, I'm not worthy. It's humility. 
this man had the perfect mix of right thinking. His, if you're a carpenter, his bubble was in the middle. He was level-minded. He was balanced. He wasn't proud and he wasn't, I'm not worthy, God, at the same time. He had a hundred men under him. But yet he said, man, I'm not going to just flex my muscles about that hundred men I got under me. Because I know the guy above me has got a thousand men under him. And therefore, I know, Lord, that you've got the power. You've got the authority. Because I know when I say, go, and he goeth, I know that when you say, go, things are going to change. You're the man, Jesus. <laughs> You're the man. Praise God. He knew that if, uh, that if you're under authority, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it will obey you. Praise God. I can go on. Bible says, 20, Proverbs 21, 28, he said, he that heareth speaketh constantly. He that heareth speaketh constantly. And, and this verse here seems to be connected with the verse that says, uh, that says, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Or in other words, be in constant uh, um, dialogue or monologue, if you will, in truth speaking, Brother Trace. Constantly speaking of truth. Telling somebody about truth. Talking to God about truth. Ingesting truth from the Word of God. Constantly. Praise God. One or the other. John 10, 10. As we celebrate the 4th of July, there was much behind that. We call it the Declaration of Independence. Lots of wise men gathered together to put that thing so that we would look at it and celebrate one time of year. One time a year, Brother Palmer, we'd look at it and we'd say, we're independent. We have liberty. We have freedom. But I want you to know in John 10, 10, I know there's a thief that comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But there's one that's come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Not just, not just go through the motions, but have abundant life. Something that we can celebrate day in and day out. Not just Sunday, not just Wednesday. Not just 4th of July, but we can each and every day know that it's declared. A declaration has been made for you. A lot of effort has gone forth and written down and goes into place so that you can have life. So I can have life. I'm not bound by sin anymore. Because he came, robed himself in flesh, and died upon Calvary's cross so that we might live and live abundantly. Abundantly. My, oh, my. <laughs> 242 years from July 4th, 1786. 76, sorry. 242 years. Now in the whole scheme 
of time, that's a drop in the bucket. But to us, to us, revolutionary days seem so far away. The first, 4th of July, 1777. I wonder if it was just about picnics. I wonder if it was just about parades. I wonder if it was just about baseball, hot dogs, apple pies, and Chevrolets. <laughs> the second 4th of July, the third, the fourth, the fifth. But there's this thing about time. With the passing of time. I wonder how many celebrations today, picnics, whatever, they paused and said, hey, let's have a moment of silence and, and let's, uh, or, or they talked about what this day really means. I wonder what the Israelites felt like the night the death angel passed through the land And suddenly they were leaving Egypt. 430 years of slavery. That's all generations had known. And Brother Herring, Pastor Herring, when, when they really realized it that night, and they were leaving Egypt. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't? Oh, friend, you, you talk about a celebration. I said, you talk about a celebration. There was rejoicing. There was dancing. There was shouting. When it really dawned on them, I'm no longer a slave. I have passed from slavery into freedom. Solomon said, buy something. Buy what? Buy the truth. And if it's above this, don't buy it. Buy the, no matter what it costs, get truth. No matter what it costs, get it. And when you've gotten it, don't ever sell it. If somebody comes and offers you a higher price than you feel you paid, no, my truth is not for sale. My truth is not for sale. Growing up, what was truth? It was more of a moral thing. I don't lie, I tell the truth. But as you mature, as you grow older, hopefully you come to the realization that truth is more than just a concept of doing what is right and not lying. 
that truth indeed is centered in a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. So I think if a person really, really, amen, sincerely is searching for truth, eventually they're going to come face to face with Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave the parable, the man that collected pearls, one day he found a pearl of great price, and it was such a great pearl, he sold and got rid of all his other, everything, so he could get that pearl of great price. The pearl of great price is Jesus Christ. And out of the millions and billions of people in the world, you are sitting here tonight and you've had the privilege to come face to face with truth. Hallelujah. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Brother Richard, that's worth a lap. You going to let him run by himself? Huh? Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We sang about it tonight. Freedom. Freedom. I'm glad for 1776. But I'm glad for Calvary. I'm glad I've been set free tonight. Matthew 11. Did I miss anybody? We should just quit right now after that. Matthew 11, verse 11, 47, how about that? Verily I say unto you, that word verily, King James talk, of course, for truly. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I'm going to do my best to get you out of here early. But I just want to give you this thought that the Lord put in my soul. Three characteristics of great men. Three traits of great men. Jesus said there's not arisen a greater than John the Baptist. That was not family connections gloating over the family name. They were cousins, of course. That wasn't like mama today gloating over her babies, insinuating they're better than anybody else's. Jesus, God in the flesh, looked at the man, the minister, the man in leather garments and eating, you know, from the wilderness, 
and the effect that John's ministry had on the people. And he said, there's never been a greater than John the Baptist. You think about it. Go through Hebrews chapter 11 and put John's name up against any of them, all right? But he that is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I am cautious tonight when I, when I use the term great men because I know that Psalm 48.1 said that great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. But in the human element, just go with me for a moment. In the human element, greatness among men isn't talking about a moral compass. It's talking about an effective lifestyle. A ministry that moved people. There's not only cause, but there is effect. Again, it's not talking about greatness in the sense of a moral compass. But his, his handprint, his footprint upon society through his few days on earth in ministry. Webster said this, great is remarkable or effective. To be great is remarkable or effective. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 28 to that Canaanite woman, great is your faith. Even James said in 5.16 of his epistle that men like you and I can be effective in our prayer life. So when we say traits or characteristics of great men, mankind, we're not talking about uh, being e either gender here, just mankind, all right? We're not talking about something that's co being compared to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about in the sense of the human effect on planet Earth. That's why our text allows us inside the mind of the Lord when he said, among those born of women, in the human arena of life, there's never been a greater than John the Baptist. Do you know the Bible said that in John's ministry, never one miracle was ever witnessed. John never opened the blinded eyes. John never raised the... The dead, John never opened a deaf ear. Not one miracle. But every time John said, I'll be on that hillside preaching, multitudes flocked to John revival meeting. John preached. John preached. There's coming one after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And they, they came from the, from the far regions of Judea just to hear him preach. After 400 years, the dark ages of silence, there had not been one voice. And on the hillside of Judean wilderness appears this, this John the Baptist, this one that Jesus, Jesus authenticated, never been a greater than him. But what he's about to do is going to make the least of men greater than his effect on all of Judea. So it's okay to say certain men, Brother Tomes, or certain women, Sister Jen, are great, meaning they're remarkable or they're effective. I mean, we say it all the time loosely, Brother Rick. Man, well, that dude's a great cleanup hitter. That dude's a great starting pitcher. That man's a great goalie. That, that sister's a great cook or a great climber or whatever. We 
we, we throw the term around like he's a great musician, a great guitar player. But we all of a sudden start talking about in terms of, of men or women in ministry, we go, oh, all holy now, watch out. No one's great but the Lord. I'm talking about in being remarkable or effective. So, how many times have you seen headlines in magazines? If you've been on any airlines or flights of any length at all, you've all grabbed the magazine out of the little pocket in front of you because you're bored out of your mind. And there's always some article in there like, like seven common habits all successful people practice. I'm making that up. Come on. Five must-have pieces of information of all high-level entrepreneurs. Three things all great U.S. presidents had in common. I've read one, I've read dozens of those things. Is there common ground, Brother Jim Aldrich? Is there common ground that great spiritual men stand on? Can we look at men in the Bible that we call great? Men in our arena of life that we consider, again, men, mankind, man, woman. We call them great. Is there common denominators working to put them in that position to be remarkable or effective. I could ask you to tell me something. I know what you'd say. Well, I'm sure they're all praying people. And you'd be right. You might say, well, they're all consistent about their ambitions. And you'd be right. Someone might say, well, they must all study the Word of God. And you'd be right. Surely great men must all fast once in a while. And you're right. There's some neutral ground where we all can meet and say that's, that has to do with something, some part of, of the effective, remarkable position you occupy in life. We know that to be true. But I want to look at David, all right? I want to look at David tonight. Go figure, right? I've been eight minutes. I'm just going to hurry. Let's look at David. I would call him a remarkably effective man, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you call a man that started out as a shepherd boy whom God inspired and God anointed, whom God called, and he ends up being not just a prophet but a king, and not just a king but a preacher, not just a preacher but a writer of much of the Psalms in your Bible? I would say, Brother Lance, he was remarkably effective. And someone might say, yeah, but he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And what, what, what are you hiding in your closet tonight? Who have you called a dirty name this week? Who have you had ill will against for the last decade in your life? Everybody's got something that they, that they want God to overlook or to forgive, right? Everybody's done something, thought something, occurred, something happened in their life. David was a big man. He made big mistakes. And I'm not... I'm not not making that, making light of that. He was effective. He was remarkably effective. He was successful at everything he did. He was effective, Brother Richard, at anything he set his hand to. No wonder his, his son said, whatever you put your hand to, do it with your might. Solomon said. Could it be, I'm just, this is just my opinion here. It's not scripture. I'm not adding to the word of God. I'm just 
commenting on that thought. Could it be that Solomon saw a kingdom that his father took at 30 years of age and for 40 years he ruled it, he successfully, remarkably affected it from top to bottom? Could it be that that was in his mind, Brother Justin, when he said, whatever you do, just do it like you mean it. If you're going to come to church, come to church like you mean it. If you're going to worship God, worship God like you mean it. If you're going to love the Lord, love the Lord like you mean it. He was effective at whatever he did. We don't know, you know, the grinding routine of his daily ritual. We don't know the failures and the mistakes and the redos, Brother David, and the remodels and the reconstructs. We don't know all of that. We're just, we're given a little glossary of the, of the overview of it all. And isn't that what matters, how it ends? Isn't that what matters, how it turns out? Solomon said, if, you know, if in the middle of adversity you quit, then you have no strength. That's my words, okay? Anybody can quit in the middle of adversity. But the Bible said this about David, Sister Pleo, 2 Samuel 5.10, that David went on and grew great. He grew great. And Brother Nathan, the writer of 1 Chronicles 11, said not only did David wax great, but he waxed greater and greater. That's not talking about economics. I'm sure that was under the title of it all. One of the little fingers that he affected. But he grew great. And then the writer just said, and greater. Effective and remarkably effective. Now, just as an honorable mention tonight, before I get these three things, and I'll hurry, I promise you, 7.59, all right, I'm going to hurry. As an honorable mention, we know David loved the house of God. Amen. You'll never go wrong being effective as long as you love the house of God. You'll never have to apologize for anything you do or experience as long as you love going to the house of God. But I am like you, only I wouldn't say I'm not aiming this at anybody, because I just said I'm aiming this at everybody. Why do we have to convince people it's time to go to church? It's church night. Praise God. We should have an ambition to go and go like we mean it. Hallelujah. I need to come to church. The world's been working on my heart all week long, Brother Mike. I need to go to church tonight. We know that. As an honorable mention, we know that David loved going to the house of God. Read his letters. He talks about it on and on and on and on. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we know David loved to worship and praise. He wrote many of the Psalms, and they are literally an original, an original, they were put into music as worship. David loved church. David loved to worship God in song. We know that. But here's three specific things that have stood out to me over the years. All right, and you've read them, but let me just fly through them for your Timex sake. First one is not talking about necessarily 
what we've mentioned already, his love for this or his love for that. But what he did in moments of pressure, anybody can shout when church is going good. What do you do when pressure is on you, huh? What do you do when you got to make a decision by tomorrow morning and you haven't heard from God? Pressure, anybody? I don't like pressure. I don't like pressure. Someone's got, I need, a, I need an answer by tomorrow morning, Pastor. I feel like, you know, Samuel up from the grave sometime. Well, guess what? If God hasn't talked to you yet, what makes you think I can? The first thing is 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. All right? The Bible said David, when facing all sorts of pressure, all sorts of trauma, all sorts of drama and stress and opposition, the Bible said David, when all of his men spake of stoning him, we followed you until we are no longer, we're not going to do this anymore. This is silly, confusing, crazy. You aren't going anywhere. You're a parked car, and we're not following you anymore. They spake of stoning David, a remarkably effective king, man of God. And they said, let's just kill the man. We're not talking about Saul's men now. We're talking David's men. And you know what the Bible said David did? Okay, then be that way. I, I thought church was like this. Everybody's going to abandon me anyway. You know what Pastor Blackshear told me years ago? He preached here. He said three I think he said three months, maybe he said three days. After you retire from Palmer Pentecostal Church, he said, they, they won't even remember your name. Huh? If you could just read my mind right now. You can, I know you can. He encouraged himself. When everybody said, we're done with you, David, he encouraged himself. I mean, have you ever been there where you felt like, I, I don't really have any reason to go on. I've lost my friends, my followers, my family. My wife left me. My husband abandoned me. My kids turned their back on me. So what are you going to do? Throw in the towel and act like everybody else that floats downstream? Did you ever go out to the creeks around here when you was a kid or maybe wherever you were raised and pick a piece of cottonwood bark and throw it in the creek? And I was always like, it was my mission, get as many rocks in my hand, just try to sink that thing before it went out of sight. You know what I'm talking about. Just for fun, right? We killed some spruce hens. We took out some spruce hens years ago <laughs> with rocks, and I was, I was so surprised that I actually hit the thing. And uh, my buddy was throwing violently and missing, and uh, I was acting like I did it on purpose, you know, like, I didn't tell him I was aiming at that one over there and hit that one over here. <laughs> Encouraged himself. Sometimes in life, whether you're in ministry or a mom, whether you're dad, you know, and your kids are in school, and or maybe you're just dealing with some situation on the job. Sometimes in life, more than just occasionally, you've got to be big enough to find a place in your life where you can say, I'm not going to quit. I don't know who's left me, abandoned me, or forsaken me. I'm going to get up and get through this thing. I'm going to make it in spite of who's with me or not. 
I'm telling y'all what I believe. One of the major traits of successful, great, remarkably effective men is in the dark days of their life, they've got to be able to say, it's worth it. If I go, if I go all by myself through this, it's worth it. If no one stands beside me, it's worth it. I love you. I love you. But there's some people, they come to church as long as their husband beside them. They come to church as long as their wife comes. I would to God, you brothers, if that's you tonight or anybody that hears this on the podcast in a CD, I would to God you'd make up your mind. I'm going to church tonight. I'm getting through this trial. You ain't going. See you later. I'll be home sooner or later. Or you wouldn't do that, Pastor. You don't know me, all right? You don't know me. Because there's got to be a line drawn in our life. That if we'll quit for anything, we'll probably fall for almost everything, okay? You gotta have a you gotta have a moment where you say, I'm going through, no matter what or when or how or who. Brother Palmer, it is a trait of godly, great, effective men that they know what it means to encourage themselves. Well, if you wait for a pat on the back, it might never come. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I can do this. God's on my side. God's hearing me pray. I know he's there. Remember this because God is bigger than anything you're going through. He is. Acts 16.25. I can give you the example of another man that encouraged himself. Men. But the Bible said this about Paul and Silas. In the Macedonian jail. At midnight, Peter wasn't there visiting them. No James, no John. At midnight, the Bible said they prayed and sang praises. They had no stay of execution. They'd been promised no reason to hope that tomorrow they'd be there'd be a jailbreak. They were in prison, and at midnight, they encouraged themselves. I'm telling you, great men know what it means to be alone and to pick themselves up. That's trait number one. David encouraged himself. Trait number two, 1 Samuel 18, 14. I'm going to hurry, I promise. 1 Samuel 18, 14, and David behaved himself. Number one, he encouraged himself. Number two, he behaved himself. I know I'm talking to the tape ministry tonight. No one in here will need this. But self-control whether it be in your mind or with your mouth, whether it be in your heart or with your lip, self-control is a very powerful characteristic that we all need more of. If we're going to be effective in life, we've got to learn to control ourselves. How many, time, how many times have I got demons all over my shoulder, Brother Carl, saying, just quit, just call it like it is, tell that man off and get out of here. me David didn't have moments like that. The man, the man he was faithfully serving, loyally serving, was trying to kill him. 
And all David would say, don't you lift your hand to Saul. That's God's man. And David one time cut, cut the skirt of his garment off and took a piece of material up to the hilltop. And the Bible said his heart smote him. That's a man that's behaving himself. When he could lash out or do contrary to God's will, the Bible said he behaved himself more wisely. I like that. I know this is not for you, for your neighbor, though, tonight, but God help us to learn how to control ourselves, to behave ourselves. Bible said, Bible said, Philippians 4, verse 11, Paul again, so we're not just leaving this in David's lap. Paul again said this, I have learned. Whatever state I am, to be content. That's a man that's behaving himself. Self-control, moderation. Talking about, talking about someone that is practicing restraint or continence. Huh? No one needs to hear that tonight in here, all right? So the first thing we talked about, David encouraged himself. If you're going to be remarkably effective, you've got to learn how to encourage yourself. There's, there's going to be days you come to church and all I'm going to do is make you mad. You're not going to leave encouraged. You're going to be leave ticked off. He knows better than that. Thirty-four years of pastor. You found out some things, didn't you, sir? You preach, you do the will of God. Sometimes people read or misread, and they have a chip on their shoulder because you obeyed God. Anyway, close the door and encourage yourself. He, 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 he practiced self-control, Brother Palmer. He behaved himself. How many of you think that telling someone to behave yourself is not just something we tell our kids? Behave yourself. When's the last time your wife looked at you and said, behave yourself, brother, without you scolding her, huh? And something in your heart said, ooh, I needed that. I needed that. Didn't get very many amens up here. You guys see that? He controlled himself. He behaved himself. And the third characteristic that I've taken from David's ministry, David's example, that I believe great men will practice, will put into motion in their life, is 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. And the Bible said David anointed himself. He encouraged himself. He behaved himself. He anointed himself. Come on, think beyond the box with me right now. I don't mean like this, oil. God help me to be anointed. I'm talking about things that devotions and nothing but devotions do to you as a man or a woman of God. An anointing you can get under that nothing else in your life will provide that help for you. Anointing yourself is something that happens when you open the Word of God in a private session with the Lord. It happens when you're praying. Nobody's looking, but you're still praying. Nobody knows, but you're still pushing the plate away this afternoon. David anointed himself. One of the, one of the greatest traits, I believe, that great people practice so that they can become remarkably effective is keeping themselves in tune with God. You gotta encourage yourself. You gotta behave yourself. Not everything, even though you're encouraging yourself, the devil doesn't take it lying down. 
going to have to behave yourself. Look at somebody up here and say, behave yourself. And you've got to anoint yourself. I mean, will you pray when no one's watching? Oh, I went by the church to pray this morning, but nobody was there, so I kept going. What? Will you read the Word of God when no one's keeping score? Just to give you another example of a man that practices self-anointing, this is Paul's advice, 517 Thessalonians. He just said, just pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, study, study. Anoint yourself. If you're waiting for some wand to be waved, some glorious arm to go over, your, over you in a shadow of Peter to, to touch you and change who you are, what are you waiting for that for? Anoint yourself. Again, I don't mean walk in here when nobody's looking and put oil on your head. I'm not talking about that at all. You'll just get a greasy head out of that. That's not how God exchanges anointing. This word is anointed. God's word is inspired. Prayer is anointed. Prayer is inspired. So, so here's what I think. This is just me, all right, from David's life. He encouraged himself. Great men, effective, remarkable men, encouraged himself. They behaved themselves when they could pay back, when they could take revenge, when they could justify themselves. They behaved themselves. Brother Urshan said, the late great Brother Urshan said, you know, if, if, if lies and stuff are going on about you out there in the community, he said, it doesn't do any good to defend yourself. He said, your enemy won't believe it and your friends don't need it. Your enemy won't believe it anyway when you defend yourself, but your friends don't need you to defend yourself. They don't believe that joke anyhow. Just behave yourself. And the third thing, he anointed himself. Jesus said, the word I speak under their spirit and their life. So I feel safe in saying what made David, at least from my view, what made David great in part was he encouraged himself, he behaved himself, he anointed himself. You know what encouraging yourself does? It teaches you to stick to some things. Longevity. They still have longevity bonuses in Alaska? They still give that money out? Longevity. The longer you hear, they pay you. He behaved himself, gave him wisdom because it made him practice what he preached. Anointing himself gave him power. All right, I'm done. God bless you tonight. Three traits of great men. Yes, sir. Good point. Yes, sir. thought, always pointed people to God. That's, that's why we're called, right? Why people, that's why we're called, meaning all of us. Yes, sir. Right. Job was alone, wasn't he? devil sitting on his shoulder, didn't he? Anybody with a thought or comment, question, remark? 
Great's the great. I'll never be great, Pastor Herring. Well, you will. You will if you encourage yourself, behave yourself, anoint yourself. I don't get anything out of the Bible. Why should I read it? Just keep reading it. Keep reading it. Over here, anybody? Question, comment, or remark? Appreciated what I heard from the gentleman tonight. Thank you. Encouraging to me. Thank you for coming on a Wednesday night, 4th of July. Pray somehow, some way that your heart was touched. In Ezekiel chapter 3, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, I've set you a watchman over these people. And he says, I'm going to give you a warning for these people. And if you don't give them this warning and they die in their sin, their blood will be on your hands. He says, but if you give them the warning and they do whatever they want with it, you're in the clear. You're fine. But if they, if they heed to that warning, if they listen to that warning and they turn themselves, you've just saved their life. You just saved their soul. I honestly feel... Like this word, this word that we received tonight, it's not just, it's not just Pastor Herring trying to fill in a Wednesday night. I honestly feel, what I've been feeling while he's saying this is, this is something that we need to hear as a people. Not only this congregation, but everywhere people need to hear it, but specifically, God knew that you're going to be here in this sanctuary tonight. God knew you were going to hear these words. And God is saying, this is what you need. Take with it, do with it whatever you will. But I promise you, if you heed to this man's word, if you take what he has preached and you build upon it, I promise you, you will be blessed. Amen. It, this isn't just something that we should just pass by. and We should just say, oh, that was a good sermon. What did he preach on? But this is something that we need to build upon. Put it in your pocket. Later on down the week, pull it out. Remember, that's right. Pastor said, behave myself. Encourage myself. Amen. Praise God. That's all I wanted to say. Let's, let's stand tonight. God bless you. Let's just lift our hands and just love him for a few moments. God of heaven, we love you. We thank